To the Ether. Today is Wednesday, January 18th, 2023. Today on the Ether, the Lava Knot Boot Camp, hosted by Spark IBC, rethinking RPCs in the cosmos with Lava Network. Let's take a listen. Cool. So we'll get into it a little bit. Yeah. Today we're going to be chatting with Lava Network, which I do not claim to be an expert on what you guys are doing, which is one of the reasons I'm pretty excited to chat and like dive in. It's an area of sort of the Cosmos stack where I don't have a ton of experience. Um, but I'm really excited because almost at a high level value, you guys are one of the projects doing something different. Um, like I said in one of the tweets earlier, you know, it's not just another DeFi product or an NFT collection. You guys are looking at the entirety of the Cosmos sort of system and identifying new areas that need improvement that have so far been pretty overlooked, um, mainly centered around RPCs. So I'm excited to chat with you guys. For everyone listening, we'll definitely go through what RPCs are and give you a bit of background knowledge. I would like some as well. Um, but for now, maybe we just start with some brief intros for our speakers. So maybe we'll start with the Lava Network account with Ethan, and then we'll just go down the line. Yeah, pleasure to meet. Um, hey, everyone. Thanks for joining the, the space here. Uh, my name is Ethan. I am leading marketing and community at Lava Network. Have have been with Lava for about, oh, I don't know, eight months now, almost since the start of its inception. And it's been, it's been a wild, wild ride. Uh, before this, I was in big tech, so a, a very different world. And um, yeah, there I was doing product marketing, sales marketing as well. And Web3 is something I've been following for a few years now. So super excited to now be working in the space. And yeah, that's a bit about me. Awesome. And maybe Yuval next, and then we'll do Gil at the, at the end. Sure. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Yuval. I'm doing marketing and community at Lava. Um, like Ethan, I'm also uh, kind of uh, since its inception, as Lava is also a very uh, fresh uh, project, um, very new. And yeah, I'm not that long uh, in the space, something about a year. Um, was doing some uh, marketing community for a few NFT projects that uh, eventually didn't launch and then i started uh, doing marketing community for lava cool and then last but not least gil is that what we should yeah call you by? that's correct yeah first thanks for having me uh really pleasure to connect and to chat here um my name is gil i'm the co-founder and cpo of lava my background is in cybersecurity. I've done reverse engineering and looking into intricate complex systems for over 15 years. And I actually got into the space about two years ago uh, when I learned about MEV, 
and I built a bunch of bots and it was really, really a lot of fun. And from that, that's when I first learned about the problem of RPC and decided together with my co-founder year to found love. Awesome. Well, I, I kind of like hearing everyone's stories just because everybody gets to where we are right now in Web3 quite differently. Um, so it can be interesting, but cool. So I guess I think what will make the most sense um, for myself and probably a majority of listeners is before we get into the specifics of Lava Network and how you guys are sort of um, changing the game, like reinventing how it's done or rethinking, maybe let's just do an overview of like what RPC nodes are, um, how they fit into the Cosmos stack. Are they unique to Cosmos? We'll just sort of start at the top. So whichever one of you feels uh, maybe best suited to answer, let's just break down in normie terms, for myself included, like what exactly are RPC nodes and what role do they play in the Cosmos ecosystem? Sure, I'll, we'll try to make you an expert today, okay? Uh, and if you have any question or you want to dive deeper, let me know. Uh, and I'm sure the team can also reply. So. Blockchains are these amazing distributed databases, right? But to read from these databases, you need to uh, run a node. Uh, these nodes basically sync with the network and verify the consensus and verify that everybody has the same database. So if, for example, there's an application on this database um, and you want to get the data from that application, let's say a swap function, and you want to know the price of, of two uh, coins, then you need to talk to the database. RPC is um, the standard way of communicating and getting that data from the database uh, on Cosmos and on many other blockchains. Okay, awesome. So maybe uh, we can draw an analogy. I think a lot of non-developers are maybe at least tangentially familiar with like APIs and how those sort of work in the traditional Web 2 world and in Web 3. How do RPCs sort of compare differ or are similar to, is it basically the API of a blockchain? Is that a way to think about it or not quite accurate? Uh, it's, it's, it is, let's just think about it as an API. There's a, a slight uh, difference if we go uh, into the actual terminology, uh, but it's very similar and you can think about it as an API. So basically RPC is, is the API to access data from blockchains. Right, so if I wanted to build an off-chain application or part of a larger application that's off-chain, um, but maybe it needs something like the amount of tokens in a certain liquidity pool just to display as like a number somewhere on the front end. It doesn't need to interact with the chain, it just needs that data. My app would get that through an RPC point that someone on the chain is running and providing for me, correct? That's correct. If, for example, if you wanna go, for example, an NFT example, if you wanted to know the price somebody uh, puts for their NFT for you to buy, uh, then you could see that you need an RPC or an API to get the data from the blockchain or the history of uh, NFT transactions, for example. Okay, cool. And is this only for like on-chain to off-chain data flow or like if I'm building an entirely on-chain app and within my smart contract, I need the price of that NFT, would I still use an RPC or would I get it somewhere more directly on chain? You would not need an RPC for that. That's a great question. You would not need an RPC. You would use whatever is available on chain to get that data. Uh, RPC is a way to get data from the outside, from off chain. Okay, cool, cool, awesome. 
So I guess now, like, I think that's a pretty good fundamental um, breakdown. Uh, I'll let everyone know if we have time, we will do a little AMA at the end. And then also uh, my DMs are open at the moment. Uh, I won't be checking the Tendermint Timmy account, but if you want to shoot DMs to the Spark account or leave them as replies to this space, I can be sure to jump in with those questions if we want anything more clarified. Um, but cool. So I think one of the interesting parts about current RPC, like architecture and how it's set up, is that in some capacity, and I, I don't feel qualified to speak on it, they aren't actually decentralized and trustless in the way that other parts of a blockchain stack are, correct? And so that's sort of what you guys are tackling in a sense. Yeah, so, so think about an RPC uh, server, or what we call a node in Web3, uh, is like, by definition, it's a centralized and the, uh, it's a centralized server where you run this node that gives you data, right? But, uh, and maybe Ethan would like to elaborate more. Yeah, exactly. So as Gil was saying just now, you think about blockchains as a network of nodes. Um, the whole idea is that you run your own node in order to get uh, data from that node or the copy of the blockchain state uh, that that node uh, contains or stores. Um, and you do that using RPC uh, by communicating with the node uh, using RPC. However, I mean, let me ask you, Timmy, do you run your own node when you use Web3? Um, well, so I, I personally do not. I think we do as part of Spark, but I don't oversee that side of things. But as an end user, no. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. And that's that's the, the crucial point that we're trying to address, right? There, are, There's no incentive for you to run your own node, um, especially given how impractical it can be and how technical it can be for non-technical uh, users of Web3. And so what we've seen is this second evolution of blockchain uh, access infrastructure or blockchain node infrastructure, where essentially Web2 businesses, uh, Web2 node providers have popped up and they offer node infrastructure to applications. And so now you have uh, companies like Alchemy, Infura, both of which you may have heard of, very uh, large uh, centralized providers in the Ethereum space, offering uh, RPC to applications across the entirety of uh, that ecosystem and other ecosystems, as a matter of fact. And what you get there is then a single point of failure. When you have many, many applications uh, getting blockchain data, from centralized providers, you have an issue. You have an issue which is called, this is not worth three. <laughs> um, and the issue is that uh, these entities can be uh, censored. They have to be compliant, of course. Um, they can be attacked, um, hacked. Uh, we've seen uh, honeypot attacks or uh, DNS server attacks, hijacks uh, on another centralized provider called Anchor. Um, We've seen uh, Venezuela accidentally censored uh, by Infura. And whilst these centralized providers offer great service in terms of performance, uh, they can be very scalable. Um, they are powering a lot of Web3, so we can't underestimate that aspect of their offering. It's and still it, not. Yeah. It's, is it accurate to say like that in this current model, the only real redundancy or... Uh, 
yeah, sort of backup that's in place is just the fact that multiple different people run nodes. Like there's really no mm-hmm. added layer to security or redundancy beyond that. That like if I'm going with Pokachu's node and something happens, I could, you know, switch to another provider like MintScan. But that that's about the extent of the flexibility you have in the current model, right? Yeah, I mean I think that's that's definitely one of the major points, the redundancy aspect. The other aspect is the accountability. Um, when you're using a centralized provider like Alchemy or Infura, they have you know, SLAs, service level agreements, where they say, okay, we'll give you a certain level of uh, service. But because they are one of the few options which, are, which offer great service, sometimes you have vendor lock-in and you're forced to use them, even though sometimes their service isn't great. And especially if you think about it at the large DAP level or large application level where they have to rely and trust decentralized providers. And any sort of downtime or inaccuracy in terms of the data leads to huge uh, impact to their users of the dApps. You know, the accountability that you get from these centralized providers isn't great. I mean, you get maybe some credits. Yes. uh, Let me chime in on one one subject that I think is uh, very important. So as we've said, these centralized providers can, uh, they're basically uh, can be a single point of failure. But what's more interesting is that think about them as a pipe that gives you certain information, right? The data from the blockchain. But you basically trust that the data they give you is correct. And I think this is when I got into Web3, <clears throat> I honestly didn't believe this is the state of how Web3 works. Because, and I think Moxie spoke about it in, in one of his blog posts. because. How, how do you know that the data is from the blockchain? How do you know the data is accurate? Like there's basically no proof when you communicate with external RPC servers uh, and nodes and centralized providers that the data is actually true. And that struck me as something that needs to be fixed. Yeah, it's almost like, uh, it's almost the Oracle problem in reverse in a way, right? Where it's like getting data yeah. Chain, yeah, on chain in a trustless manner is incredibly hard and similar with getting it off. Because as soon as you leave the chain itself, like trust guarantees are often thrown out the window. Okay, cool, cool. Exactly, yeah. And, and you touched on you touched on uh, uh, different uh, current public RPCs that are being offered, and mm-hmm. I, I wanted to talk about that as well. First, I think it's an amazing thing that we have public RPCs and that, that people are offering. But there are a few issues with that because in the end, somebody has to incentivize these RPCs to run. So when you think about scale, as, as more and more projects will use these RPCs, they will have to throttle and rate limit the access to those RPCs. So imagine go to, going to this successful uh, DAP and then basically not being able to use it because whichever public RPC is giving service is limiting the amount of requests it can take. And the reason a public RPC would do it is because they're not getting paid to run these uh, services, which doesn't make sense, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then tell me if this fits into this conversation because I'm not actually sure. Um, But I've heard reference to like full nodes versus archive nodes. Um, And so is there also something to be said for like, as networks grow, the cost of maintaining or providing these RP nodes also grows or not necessarily? A hundred percent. Like if you're yes. doing a full node. Let's say you're doing a full node. 
Yeah, that's correct. I think you want to say, but let me just say that. Yeah, that's completely correct. Um, the more the more that blockchain adoption grows, the more the 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 greater the the states, right, and the data storage needed to store that state on every node. So yeah, that is exactly is correct, and which uh, ties in with the incentivization problem of nodes. Okay, cool. For for anyone curious, I wanted to double check with you guys that that is applicable to what we're talking about. But for anyone curious, like archive node versus full node is basically a, a full node would be all of the data since the blockchain's inception, like the entirety of the chain, whereas an archive node does something like it only cares about the most recent X number of blocks and then the rest is compressed or archived in some way not a great explanation but just for those wondering since i dropped those terms um okay cool yeah. let, let me let me help you out so an yeah. archive node let's say you want to know the state of the, the balance of your account at block 100 which is like let's say five years ago an archive node would be able to answer that question and a full node wouldn't be able to answer that question so it's more expensive because an archive node needs to keep the state of every of every block. Mm, so I actually had it backwards. Okay, cool. Okay, so well, actually, if, is is there anything else you guys want to touch on before we move to? I now want to like chat about how you guys are doing it differently, but I want to make sure I'm not getting ahead of myself. I think we can move to that unless you have any any questions about RPC or anything that we can uh, explain prior. Cool. Okay. Yeah, I'm sure some might come up as we continue to chat, but let's let's move into how you guys are sort of rethinking the entire way that the system works. I saw you make one post that says something to the extent of we're more than just decentralized RPC nodes. That's almost like a reductionist way to think about what we're doing. So I just want to give you guys the floor. Um, give us the breakdown of how Lava Network is changing the way RPCs work in the cosmos. I can I can jump in that. So I mean the first thing to say is that Cosmos is a particular focus of ours, but it's not everything. We are chain agnostic, so eventually we will serve every chain and any chain, and new chains will be added via the DAO. Um, but the reason why Cosmos is a key focus is because the Cosmos ecosystem in particular relies a lot on public RPCs. Um, we've spoken a lot about how centralized providers have their own problems, but Cosmos barely has centralized providers either. So there's a there's a tragedy of commons uh, problem there with public RPC, which which we're looking to solve. Now, touching on Lava Network and why we're different, and as you say, more than just a decentralized RPC network, is that um, something that I mentioned previously. We are also accountable, and so the decentralized uh, element of Lava comes back to what you were talking about in terms of the redundancy. It comes back to what you were talking about in terms of anyone can access the protocol um, and get RPC data from the Lava network. It comes back to the fact that any provider can join and offer services to the network, but it doesn't touch upon the accountability. And so, you know, if you think about, um, if you think about why maybe other solutions haven't worked in the past, let's say uh, running your own node, Right. When when people think about the problem of RPC and centralized RPC, a default answer is typically just run your own node. Now there are two problems with that. One is that you have no incentive to, no financial incentive. And two, you cannot really guarantee 
the quality of that service except by relying on yourself. What if you could use as many centralized providers as possible in the most redundant way, but also in an accountable way where they have to provide you great quality of service that's fast, reliable, and accurate? If not, then there's another provider that you can use on the network. If not, then they are uh, their, their rewards are diminished on the network. And so Lava is decentralized in that we have many node providers on the network. And so you don't rely and need to trust in anyone. But additionally, we hold each provider accountable for maintaining a standard of service. Um, so in that way, we banish all the demons um, in regards to anything related to, you know, decentralized is not fast, it's not performant, it's slow, et cetera, et cetera. No, we have a decentralized network which is also super um, high, highly performant, uh, reliable, and accurate as well in an accountable way. And, you know, just to, I want to add two things. And, and, and imagine this vision that we have in our minds, and this is, you know, what's driving us to build Lava. You are a developer and you spin, you, um, spin up, uh, you, you, you pay for, us for some sort of service one time, and now, with the you, with your code, you can access any blockchain um, with one payment, and you can use not just one centralized providers provider. For example, Alchemy, you can use Alchemy, Infura, uh, QuickNode, Chainstack, all of them. You get access to all of that, all of those amazing providers, and they're great. But now they're also accountable, as he, as Ethan said. And one more interesting aspect of Lava is that. Uh, I see decentralization come up a lot, and obviously it's extremely important. But it's important to understand as well that decentralization is a tool. It's a tool in our uh, toolbox that helps us to reach that end vision. It's not necessarily the goal. The goal is not just to decentralize. It's the, the decentralization is a tool that helps us build a really, really good, robust, reliable, available network. Okay, so. It seems like, tell me if this seems accurate. You got RPCs in the way that they work now. It seems like maybe they're inherently, they're going to be centralized. So what you guys are doing is building a layer on top that brings all of those centralized providers under one roof and adds redundancy and decentralization and trustlessness through your additional layer. Is that almost like actually to go back, I, I love learning through analogies and thinking about stuff. Is it kind of similar to how like Akash or Chainlink works, going back to the Oracle thing, where there are these centralized things, but then the the, the actual DApp application layer, Link or Akash, works to like provide those centralized services in a more decentralized, trustless, redundant way. Is is that kind of an accurate analogy? Yeah, I think it's a great analogy, right? An Oracle uh, strives to, let's, let's say, take data from the outside world, like the price of uh, uh, the two pairs of coins, for example, and put that on chain. And that data is impossible to get just from the blockchain because you have centralized exchanges that trade uh, those pairs. So they, there's a consensus of uh, Oracle uh, node runners that communicate in, their, in an algorithm and then they send the transaction to the chain with the final result. Well, all these reports come on chain and you can get the, the price data from the price feed from outside. And Lava is very similar 
only we get the data from the blockchain in an accurate way for the end user. Yeah, that makes total sense. It makes so much sense, in fact, that I think my next question is, how has this not been tackled already? Or maybe it has and it has led to failure. If so, if you guys know of those sorts of things, like, is anyone else tackling this or has this been explored before for RPCs, as far as you guys are aware? It's been explored by many, many very smart people, actually. And I've read many uh, research pieces about it. And it also connects with light clients a lot, even though light clients uh, solve a different problem. So I feel like it's a, it, there's a lot of uh, explored. Uh, there was a lot of exploration and is a lot of exploration in the field. However, it is not being executed uh, according to the vision that we see. Okay. Do, so do you anticipate, though, that actually I want like, is there a future where something like what you guys are building, maybe even your guys' exact tech, gets implemented as like a, a default through being part of the Cosmos SDK or something like that? Because like this seems, now that we're talking through it, it kind of seems like a no-brainer. So my head is at like, why would we not all move to this sort of model? And if we do that, why not make it a more core, like base part of the, the SDK? Um, but also reminder, I'm not a dev, so maybe that is a stupid thought and I'm overlooking something. I don't think it's stupid at all. And I think uh, it's part of <laughs> I like our thing. I like the way you think, Timmy. <laughs> all right. <laughs> yeah. I think it's great. Yeah. And, and we do aspire to get there. And we are building an open source protocol. So it, and we start in Cosmos, so we feel like it could easily integrate into any Cosmos chain. Right now, we actually support a lot of many, many Cosmos chains, and in the process of adding more. So it, I think as we develop it and it becomes more mature and robust, I think for sure we're looking to integrate it, integrating it into the Cosmos SDK if possible. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. So maybe let's dive in a little bit more into some of the nitty gritty. We'll definitely try and keep it like normie centric so people like myself in the audience can understand. But within this system, um, like I as an end user who might be building something where I need an RPC endpoint uh, will obviously benefit from what Lava is doing can come to Lava and kind of have a one-stop shop that has that redundancy built in. Um, but if I'm an RPC node provider who's like already running one, do I reap any benefit from what you guys do? I'm, I'm almost wondering if part of the roadmap might be like some form of monetary incentive or inverse monetary incentive, like a lockup vested thing that could be slashed or something that uh, on top of the system, you already have further uh, incentivizes RPC providers to be honest or, or something like that in the, yeah. So I guess that'll be my question as an RPC provider on the other side of the equation, what benefits would I reap from lava? Jimmy, you're asking all the right questions. Um, so yeah, most of what we've spoken about today has focused on the developer experience and all the benefits there. But, um, as we kind of touched on as well, a lot of RPC providers out there, including chains that run public RPC, they do so for free. There is no built-in incentive. Um, like, I don't know, let's say you run a validator, there's a built-in incentive on-chain for that. Um, 
So what would happen is providers would join our network, the decentralized network of providers, and the network will serve essentially like an open market, an open market for RPC, where developers who are building applications, they would uh, pay subscriptions uh, in exchange for RPC from the RPC providers who will be paid for the first time pretty much, uh, given that previously they were running free, free endpoints. Um, so not only are they paid, they are paid, as you say, based on the quality of service. If they have great service, they'll be paid more. If they have maybe poorer service, they'll be rewarded less and also paired with fewer uh, developers and applications. Um, and so, so how, do you, how do you guys grade that quality of service? I assume it's an algorithm. It's not like you or the community picking and choosing, right? Yeah, so there are many ways that we uh, do quality of service. So we have a quality of service score where clients will actually score providers based on the quality of their service. So that's across three dimensions, the latency, i.e. the speed of the response, the availability of the node. So do they go down often? Do they actually respond? And then finally, the accuracy, uh, the data integrity. Is it fresh? Is it synced with the latest state of the blockchain? Um, so this is what I'm referring to when I talk about accountability, because when you use a centralized provider like Alchemy or Infura, they can, they can be giving you data not from the blockchain. How, as Gil said, how do you know it's originating from the blockchain? How do you know it's the latest state of the blockchain? You don't. Um, yeah. So, you know, there are, there are, you'll see on Twitter, there are, you know, whenever there's a crazy NFT mint, um, someone will be buying an NFT, will go through but then they won't get the NFT. Well, Are actually, they... let, me, yeah. let me slightly rephrase my question. So that exact problem mm -hmm. that you just illustrated of not knowing whether that data is trustworthy as a builder, I guess I'm wondering how your protocol does know that if it's an unknown. So, and I assume it would be something kind of Kind of like how Chainlinks detects bad bad providers, where they'll they'll look at their whole host of data coming in, figure yeah. out what the like agreed upon averages, and for those that divert too much, maybe then you knock down the score. Is it something like that? Yeah, I, I'm not 100 familiar with Chainlinks uh, mechanism, but it sounds similar. So what we do is we probabilistically and randomly sample responses from a provider, and then mm. we compare that to another provider's. If there's a conflict, we'll then bring it on chain for a, a vote, essentially, among all providers that will then determine what is the correct answer by consensus. So uh, okay. this is our conflict detection and resolution mechanism. Um, right now, it's an honest majority, but uh, we are planning to use a jury and also light clients to, to reduce the trust assumptions even there uh, further. Uh, maybe, maybe Gil wants to expand on that, actually. Yeah, of course, I would love to. And uh, you answer it pretty accurately, uh, to be honest. And it's we have two aspects, and these are two big features that we are uh, working on. So, and and by the way, we've been thinking about this problem since day one. Like our whole design and goal of Lava was to build a way for us to have trustless RPC for ourselves as developers. So, uh, quality of service is one feature, and data reliability is another feature. The uh, quality of service, as, as Ethan mentioned, is a way to determine how good is a provider at giving you data fast and how fresh is the data and making sure that they're available. Uh, and the data reliability is conflict detection and conflict resolution. So 
a detection is how do you know that the data is incorrect? Uh, so the way we know data is incorrect is by sampling uh, responses, so off-chain. So we ask one provider a question, what's my account balance at block 100? And they reply, it's one ETH. And then you ask another provider, what's my balance at block 100? And they reply, it's two ETH. Now I know I have a conflict. So I take this conflict and I have two hashes that are different for the same request hash. So I can prove there's a conflict. I take it, put it on the chain, and then the chain can resolve it with conflict resolution, which, which is done by automatic voting. Okay. Okay. Cool. So, so actually, let me use let me use the two same analogies again for this next question. So, like, whereas something like Chainlink might have different numbers coming in that are accurate because it might be pulling from different exchanges. Like, let's say the price of a certain coin, and so it does some like averaging magic in there. So, so with the Chainlink model, like the number that you would be getting from using their service is actually something that Chainlink has derived. It's a number they've came up with from these other sources. Whereas like Akash, if you go and use Akash, you're not really using like Akash's compute or anything. Akash has just connected you to one individual who is offering compute that was like a match for what you, what you wanted. It sounds like you guys are like more so in, on the Akash side of things in that like the data I would pull from using Lava Network is not a number that you guys are deriving from all the inputs, but rather from a individual node that you guys have sort of like assigned to my request until it no longer is providing accurate data. Is that correct? I think that's a great point, Timmy. And also like to add context to what Gil and Ethan answered before. so. Uh, the communication between consumers, which are applications and and node providers, RPC providers, uh, happens on uh, off chain, and so that's exactly like you said. And what Lava does, the protocol on chain does, is the pairing. So it gives you a list of relevant providers uh, to the chain and the geolocation that you are uh, that you're looking for. And it also does the settlement uh, for node providers when they uh, need to get their, their rewards, they upload it on chain. And the same goes for uh, uh, what Ethan explained about uh, conflict resolution and uh, yeah. Yeah, so it's peer-to-peer. -peer. The communication is peer-to-peer -peer between uh, consumer to provider. Yeah, that, gotcha. Because we need speed, right? Yep. Imagine how slow it would be if you would go through a blockchain for every every query. And yeah. we're talking about hundreds of uh, millions, if not billions of queries. So it has to be really fast. Okay, cool. Yeah, that makes total sense. Sweet. So I guess, I guess actually I should have done this earlier. This is something I want to start doing with all of these spaces, especially when we're chatting with more like tech-oriented projects. Um, and feel free to jump in here, guys, because I, I can already tell I'll probably flounder by the end of this a little bit. But I want to quickly just touch on like why people in the audience should care, because um, a lot of people in here are not necessarily devs or node providers themselves. They're used to hopping in spaces where we're chatting with an NFT collection or some new decks with an investable token. Um, but I, 
I think like this should be just as exciting. So I guess like what I'll say is the whole like age old saying of a system is only as strong as its weakest link, right? So we have all this awesome architecture in Cosmos that is decentralized and trustless. But as you guys pointed out earlier, Cosmos more so than other ecosystem really relies on and uses RPC nodes a lot. And so with that part of the system currently not having much oversight, redundancy, trustlessness, like it's not something that the average user will see a direct benefit from, like if Lava Network gains wide adoption, but it does matter a ton, like in a secondary capacity. So a lot of the times when you're using a D app and something's going funky with the interface or with prices loading, a lot of the time that could be because of RPCs. So one effect is like you'll by supporting Lava and seeing Lava gain traction, you'll probably have just a better UX experience on apps across the cosmos. Then there's a whole other angle of the like security and um even though we touched on earlier that like if I'm building something like a lending protocol that's on chain, I, I won't be getting my my data from RPCs necessarily. I can get it on chain. But that doesn't mean that there aren't like a near infinite number of other avenues of attacks that someone like myself wouldn't think of if you're not a hacker or a pen tester. Um, so, you know, for all we know, it something like Lava Network not taking over will affect us all directly through some sort of hacker exploit down the road or some sort of scam or whatever it might be. Um, so, yeah, feel free to jump in here at any point, guys. But like, why should the average sort of normie user be excited about overhauling how cosmos uses rpcs because it's not super glamorous like i'll admit but i do think it's crucial that's <laughs> it's a core we think it's glamorous we, we think we think it's glamorous we're trying to make it glamorous again you know uh I love infrastructure it. we're trying to make infrastructure glamorous and like yeah sexy. it's it's tough at times i won't <laughs> online but <laughs> we're doing our best and as you've said and I think you touched on really the main points, right? User experience, number one. You'll have better prices, faster. Uh, you'll see what, what's happening on chain faster and more reliable. For example, uh, if an RPC is down, and this happened uh, on Ethereum, uh, I think if I remember correctly, Infura was down for like a few hours. That means that retail or anyone using uh, MetaMask and, and many other wallets was simply not able to do anything. They weren't, weren't able to swap. They weren't able to withdraw their funds. They weren't able to buy anything. So they were basically, they weren't able to see their balance because it just wasn't working. So Terrifying. avoid it. Yeah. So that, I think that really sucks. And, you know, as adoption grows, especially, uh, you know, in the next cycle, we want to make sure the user experience is tight and that you can always get an answer about how much money you have, you know, how much tokens you have. Well, what's going on with the prices? I think it's extremely important. Uh, the second thing you touched on, security. We sometimes look at security as like a secondary uh, thing in importance. But actually, when, we, when it comes down to it, security is really, really important. Because that means that if something is not secure, we don't have trust in it anymore. Right? If, we, if we don't believe the data we see, if one time we get fake data, and we've made a financial decision based on that fake data. Doesn't matter how sm small or big, that means that we can't trust the entire system. 
This is why security is actually, in my opinion, uh, at a top importance uh, for, for users and, and for everybody in the ecosystem. So I second, I think these are the two greatest uh, things. Uh, Ethan or Yuval, anything to add? Yeah. I, just, I want to comment it from, other, from another perspective as well, right? I think Gil has touched upon, touched upon the uh, practical benefits, the user experience, the security as well. Uh, as, as, a, as a community manager, I'm thinking about the community as well. And what I want to say is that if you believe in Web3, you should believe in Lava, right? Lava makes Web3 possible. Right now, you use centralized providers. And the data that you get, the data from this supposedly magic database, the blockchain, where you don't need to trust anyone, that data that you get from a centralized provider could be anything. It could be an illusion. Okay, You will never, ever benefit, uh, well, you will never, ever get the full benefits of blockchains, of Web3, if you are not using a decentralized gateway to blockchain data. And that gateway is Lava. And the other thing I wanted to say is that um, the vision as well for the community moving forward is, is how can Lava be that gateway in more ways than just being an uh, you know, API provider, an RPC provider, right? You've already, you might have already seen on our Twitter, we're supporting uh, communities as well, smaller communities, smaller dApps, applications. Um, and we, we want to become the place where people also come to learn about new projects. Um, and those projects hopefully are using Lava as well. As the, as the gateway to blockchain data. And so that's another perspective as well. If you, if you believe in Web3, Lava should also be top of your agenda, not just for a user experience, for a great user experience, but also for discovering all that Web3 has to offer through the gateway, um, through the Lava gateway. I love it. Um, I'll have to chat with the like validator side of my team, but uh, Airdrops is in the audience right now. So he's actually listening, the man in charge. Um, I think Spark would probably most certainly be interested in spinning up RPCs once Lava is ready to go and participating. I, I love what you guys are doing. Um, and yeah, on the security side of things, one thing I'll just add is like, some of these Web3 exploits and hacks or even just scams that we see like, I'll read about how they were done and just like, I never would have thought about that. That is such a weird, uh, you know, exploit in the system or way around. So, like, yeah, that's how I think about RPCs, too. I think some people might think of RPCs as not as core a part of the, like, security model of Cosmos chains. But I think it's really dangerous to discount anything, especially something as, as frequently used as RPCs. Um, Cool. So I guess the, the next and one of the last kind of questions I have is like for not for an RPC provider and not for someone building an app that needs RPC nodes. Uh, we already just touched on how the user will sort of indirectly benefit from Lava Network through it improving the cosmos. But how could the average user directly interact or participate or benefit from Lava? Um, like... Are you guys going to have a token? If so, what will that control? Will there be ways for, uh, yeah, open-ended question, I guess. How, how Will an average user be able to sort of participate in Lava Network in some capacity? Yeah, we're thinking of ways to uh, have the end user be able to access the Lava Network directly. 
uh, they're still uh, work in progress. One of the ideas we have, for example, is to have a browser extension or fork of popular uh, wallets that use the Lava network uh, directly, so they get the full value of the network. Uh, but mm -hmm. this is something we're still uh, figuring out. One thing that the consumers can do, or the actual end users of uh, RPC, uh, once we are out there more established and uh, in production and maintenance, I think they can demand their wallets to introduce support and they can request their dApps that they're using to use Lava and, and to, uh, so that they can get the latest, freshest, uh, ver most verified data out there. Okay, cool. So then I, I guess sort of like two questions rolled into one here. So no token, it sounds like? No, we're working on a token-based, uh, it's, it's a Cosmos chain, right? Lava okay. is, a, yep. is an app chain uh, built on Cosmos, which will most likely have a native uh, token. And that token will be used for uh, the operation of providers and, and consumers and validators, of course. Uh, but we're just not ready to share too many details on that as it's in the works. Okay, cool. Yep, you answered the second part of my question there. Yeah, I was curious if this was going to be sort of a floating protocol that lives wherever or if it will have its own sort of chain as a home. So that's really awesome to hear. Cool. Um, we'll have to make sure... I forget because we've gone through hundreds, but uh, have you guys submitted any info or chatted with us about your page on Interchain Info? We definitely want to make sure that's filled with some some good information about you guys and looking pretty. So we can we can work on that uh, after this call if we want. Yeah, for sure. Let's uh, do it. Yeah, I don't think we we have that. So um, yeah, have to. Cool. I'm sure you guys have a page already, but I'm sure it's uh, what Wikipedia would call like a stub of an article. So we'll we'll work on expanding that together. Awesome. So I guess uh, I should have mentioned this maybe a couple of minutes ago, but if anyone does have questions, definitely feel free to start requesting. Um, we're nearing the top of the hour. You guys, do you guys have to run at the top of the hour? I have to run at the top of the hour. Okay. That, that works out for me as well. Um, there's another space I'm going to try and pop to. But yeah, if anyone has any kind of like final thoughts, closing questions, feel free to come up and request now. Um, and while we wait for that, I guess I'll just kind of give you guys an open floor. Is there anything we didn't touch on that you'd like to? And in specific, anything in particular that's maybe upcoming, whether in the near future or much later down the road that you guys are particularly excited for or want to share? Um, yeah, there's one thing that we haven't covered at all, which I'm surprised about, which is uh, privacy. Um, oh, lava, yeah. Lava, yeah. You know, lava it takes us 10 minutes to do that, actually, for sure. Yeah, I mean, lava is many things, fast, reliable, accurate, decentralized, but also private. Um, and you, you see this as, as a constant problem in the space, right? Especially if you're using centralized providers. Uh, Infura recently announced uh, a change in their policy which was updated uh, to include, uh, I think, capturing IP addresses. Um, you have, uh, well, any provider can basically uh, connect an IP address to the queries that are made. And how Lava solves that is we randomly pair you to a list of providers. And then we, we you can think of it, we basically scramble the, uh, your queries, your RPC calls between those providers. So no one provider can profile uh, an individual account, an individual application or user. Um, 
And so with that, you get increased privacy. Down the line, we'll have another feature, uh, Privacy Mixer, uh, which will entail total privacy. And maybe uh, Gil wants to talk a bit more about that. Sure thing, yeah. So uh, yeah, privacy is really important in Web3, right? We're trying to make sure no one can track and get a full picture of the user. Uh, and what's the reason behind that is, the reason is that if someone has access and can see uh, the type of data that you're looking at, they're more well suited to sell you stuff sell, uh, or try to target you uh, to do things. So it's very important for us. Uh, Ethan was mentioning a feature that we're working on, which is a privacy mixer. A privacy mixer would basically allow you to use the same uh, facilities uh, of Lava, but use them from different accounts. So from different source uh, wallets, so that um, the providers who are basically serving your, your data to you, they don't know uh, which account belongs to which uh, user. So they could basically make whatever, uh, like incognito mode. Think about incognito mode for RPC requests, I guess. That would be the best analogy. Okay, cool. Yeah. How did we not even touch on on this? So I guess like that that's that's really important to keep a mind out for in everything we build because like blockchains aren't very private, right? It's one of their downsides is that you can see everything. So taking steps to sort of add any amount of uh, potential privacy at like the various steps along the way, when steps of using, building a DApp, et cetera, um, I think is really, really great. And it just adds that level. So is this, would this be opt-in, opt-out, or just default for everything? So the first uh, feature that Ethan mentioned, that's default. That's just the way Lava works. It scatters okay. your queries. So you don't, you don't have to opt-in or out. This is... By default, you get more privacy than you would have done by working with a single provider. Yeah. The privacy mixer, that's, that's an opt-in feature. Uh, it's currently not implemented. It's uh, in design phase, but we're, uh, we're hoping to bring it uh, uh, soon. Okay, cool. All right, and just because we do still have eight minutes, and I'm just sort of thinking through, mainly right now my head is think uh, kind of turning around the different types of RPC providers, whether they're small private ones, businesses doing it, like when might someone opt out of the mixer? Like, is there any use case or, or situation you guys have thought through where it's like, oh, we, we want it to be opt-in because someone like X might not want to use it or? Uh, it's a good question. I think that um, most users would probably want to use it. Yeah, uh, and maybe it would add a bit of a burden that requires you to uh, use the mixer to create new addresses and then use those addresses to make queries. But honestly, that can probably uh, be built into uh, our code on the front end, so you don't have to do it manually. Oh wait, uh, I but... think the actually might be slightly misunderstanding. So who would be opting into it? The builder that needs an RPC node or the provider? That's running the builder, the builder. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So it's from the, yeah. So it's a way for, for you to make a query. Think about a query, like going to Facebook and like searching something there. Nobody, I'm sure nobody wants uh, other people to know their like right. Facebook or, or uh, what is it? Uh, Instagram searches. So 
this is basically what RPC is, right? You're making these searches. What NFTs are you looking at? Uh, what tokens you're looking to buy? What prices, etc. You don't want people to know that. Uh, not just people, entities, because they can yeah. take advantage of that. So by using privacy mixers, you can make these queries from an address that is not associated with your user. Uh, so it's much, much harder to know that you're making these queries. Uh, and that's what make it, makes it unique. Okay. Okay, cool. Thinking about it more, I don't have anything specifically, but I do feel like opt optional is the right route there. I, I can kind of potentially see some projects that for various whatever reasons they might want that to not be fully mixed. But okay, super cool. Um, well, I think I'm going to double ask here just because we almost forgot to touch on that, which is awesome. Any other little points we want to touch on that maybe we missed or things you guys wanted to mention? Yeah. Uh, the last thing is, if what you're hearing sounds like uh, something you'd like to use, we are currently open in terms of the testnet. Uh, we haven't announced on Twitter yet because we wanted to keep it for uh, early members of our Discord. But uh, since you're on this, on this space, and you're listening, you've been listening for the last hour to, to, us, uh, to us chattering about Lava. Uh, we think you'd be a great uh, addition to the community. And also the testnet is open to you as well. So do come to our Discord. Um, you can use Lava now via a sort of beta offering, uh, our Lava gateway. Um, and you can provide feedback. You can spot bugs for us. Um, you can uh, hopefully participate in chess tournaments. Um, you can uh, jump on a call with our DevRel engineer who we've just hired, who's amazing, who'd love to speak to you guys. And yeah, get involved, come to the Discord, um, try our Lava. Uh, we'd love to have you uh, contribute towards the decentralization of, of uh, blockchain data access. Awesome. Love it. Yeah, everybody give Lava Network a follow. Um, thank you so much for joining me, all three of you, um, to take this time out. I think we think we made very efficient use of it. Um, I feel like I have a better understanding of how RPCs fit into everything. And coming with that, now a bit of a burning passion to see you guys succeed, because I think we need to improve them. Um, so awesome. I guess real quick, uh, speaking as Tenderman Timmy here and not the Spark official account, uh, as some of you might know, I recently joined the UMI team, which, by the way, we should definitely chat about making sure UMI and Lava are working together. Um, but so I'm on the Timmy account, going to go be popping over to a space that they're hosting now with Chango. So if anybody is still hungry for more spaces, we're going to spin this one down, but uh, we could pop over there and join me. But thank you guys from Lava so much for joining today. Uh, this has been awesome. We should definitely do another one of these a couple months down the road, or maybe whenever sure. you get your update or main mainnet launch. Yeah, it sounds amazing. Thank you so much for hosting us. Thank you very much. Congrats thank on you your uh, new position at Umi. By the way, we love that chain, and we would definitely uh, want to work with you guys. Cool, cool. We'll, we'll make it happen. Or I'll do my best, I should say. <laughs> but <laughs> sounds good. All right, everybody who came as a listener, thanks so much. Your support is great. Terra Spaces, um, appreciate you kind of jumping in at last notice. We did record it, so you can steal the beginning off however you do it. Um, and yeah, everybody have a great day. See some of you in the next space or next week. Thank you, thanks, everyone. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was Spark IBC. 
hosting a cosmonaut boot camp, nay, a lavanaut boot camp, with Lava Network, rethinking RPCs in the cosmos. Recorded on Wednesday, January 18th, 2023. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. If you want to keep listening, head on over to TerraSpaces.org slash donate and show some support. Now, with Spark IBC enabled. Sweet! Put your hands up like you got a couple questions. Ain't no misdirection, just a bunch of flexing. I'll aggressive, insane from all directions. Smoke blows in when I start a session. Plank canvas, blaze up the handlers. Rocking back and forth like I got the van stuck. Don't grind the clutch, mind your hush. Put your mask on and don't touch the antlers. Feeling untouchable when I'm on the verse. But in the universe, I'm just writing some words. Enticing these nerds while I'm laying out my memoirs. Like, remember when I had to fight the centaur? I'm a book nerd, let me take you on the journey Lost in the labyrinth, searching out the lost fern For certain, got the taxes included Acting like a writer, never felt secluded Just another fixed game of try my luck Go lighten up dog. it could always be worse Unless you're in the back of a hearse Then you're dead or putting in new speakers It's a toss up, driver or just tweakers Don't stress yo, I've done the research Living life like a bunch of fucking lemurs It's a remake, off the cutting floor we take A little bit of poison and put it in the cheesecake Tastes great, less filling, less stress, more killing As he blew the cornerstone out the building And the blocks came tumbling down all humble Feels like we're drowning in a little puddle Rebuttal, I should be taking off in the shuttle Getting high in space with the Hubble